all of you, um, well, both both of you sharing, and grateful to be here on a on an on the night before Amateur Day. That's what I've always called it, uh, Amateur Day. Uh, there were people who uh, would overeat on Thanksgiving or any other holiday, and and then they say, "Oh, I'm never going to do that again," and they never did. And uh, holidays were just uh, beginning for me, just a, a start. So um, I don't have to live that way anymore. And so let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, uh, I was raised in San Francisco. Um, I was a skinny kid. Uh, unlike others, uh, what I've heard, uh, what I did was that I, I got healthy food at home. I got uh, fruits and uh, vegetables, that kind of stuff. And I would ride my bike about a mile to school. And before I got in line to go into school, this was first, second, third grade, I was going to that school. Um, before I got in line, I had already traded my healthy food for sugar, uh, cakes, cookies, pies, whatever other kids had. Uh, I, I traded it away, and and that was the beginning for me. Um, I was a skinny kid. Uh, I had a high metabolism, so whatever I ate, it, it got burned. At home, with four younger sisters, um, I was permitted to clean the plates after a meal, and and they were picky eaters, some of them. Um, so I my nickname was the seagull. And, you know, that was just the way I was raised. And I got to eat all that. And uh, I didn't have any uh, out of bounds weight until I was about 13, 14 in high school. And, and, and that was maybe five pounds overweight. And the coaches would tell me, you know, you could, you could excel at this sport or that sport if you lost five pounds. If you lost 10 pounds, you could, you could excel. And if you went to practice too, um, but it went right over my head, just straight over my head. I five ten pounds. It didn't, you know. There was no way I was going to stop eating the way I was, um, because not only sugar and fat, uh, but just anything, anything that was in front of me, it was was fair game, um, and I lived that way uh, through my early 20s and and I think I'd gained oh, about 30 pounds extra so I went on a high protein diet my one and only diet in my life or, or organized diet uh, meat and eggs and cottage cheese and I lost 30 pounds in a month and I really had no clue I knew that I was 30 pounds lighter and people around me were were happy. Um, but then I moved up to Tahoe in the wintertime to work and didn't work because it was snowing and I wasn't in a snow. I was doing construction work. And, um, and I proceeded to put on that weight and more in the three months I was up there. So I came back to San Francisco uh, heavier than when I left. Um, and I went on through, through life. My story is around emotions because I had none. 
I, I wasn't sad. I wasn't happy. I wasn't uh, angry. Uh, I had buried all that stuff as a young kid. So um, learning to, uh, well, having them was what I didn't want to do. And so food kept me down. Uh, the um, I came into the, the rooms accidentally. Uh, a person that I'd hired many years before came back to town and she said she was going to go to a meeting to, to lose weight. And she wasn't obese at all, but she wanted to lose weight. And her sister uh, had told her about a meeting in, in the city. And so it was dark. And I said, well, I'll walk you to the meeting. And so I walked her over to the meeting and I asked her how long it was going to be. And she said, well, it's uh, about a half hour. And I said, well, I'll, I'll just wait for you and I can walk you back to your hotel because, again, she was afraid of the dark. So in the bowels of this church, there were about 12 people sitting on chairs in a circle. And um, I stood at the doorway. I stood in the doorway and I listened to these people talk about food, uh, abuse of food, uh, um, uncooked food, uh, rotten food, uh, tons of sugar, all of that. And, they, and I stood at the doorway and inside, because of course I didn't share anything with anyone. I, I, nothing was real. It was, you know, it was all internal. Uh, I could smile and sing and laugh and uh, let's have a good time. And uh, inside I'd be dying. So I'm listening to all this horror stories and i'm just saying well that's you know that's terrible that's you know i'm oh, sorry for that and sorry for them and uh i didn't get it and at the end of the meeting uh the secretary said uh, let us love you till you can love yourself and i had about eight seconds of clarity there that uh, it just burned through my my wall of defense, my my food wall, and uh, and it made say, yes, that's exactly what I want, and and I proceeded to forget that because after the meeting, I walked up to the secretary and oh, you guys don't know how to eat, and I'll show you how to eat, and I know the best places, and we'll go through Europe, and I'll show you how to eat, and you know, in my arrogance and stupor that's that's what i did and um and i went home and then in my office the next day a person came up to my office got through three three of my my protections and uh and she's standing there saying you want to go to a meeting tonight and i how'd you get in here and all of that but i said what meeting and she said, the OA meeting, you were there last night. And I had no memory of being at my very first meeting. She had to, to tell me about it. And then I could get bits and pieces of it together. So uh, she was cute. So I said, yeah, okay. And she said, I'll pick you up at five and we'll go to a meeting. So we went to a meeting. Um, I ate all day as I usually did and uh, went to the meeting and heard more of the stuff 
and I was very skeptical again, but I wanted what I saw in the meeting was, was this contentment, this happiness, joy with, with life. They, people weren't um, afraid of life. They were living life. And, and I, I caught that. And so I continued to go to meetings every day for two weeks. And I would eat all day as I normally did. And uh, I wouldn't eat during the meeting. And after the meeting, I'd run out the door to a, a greasy spoon and, and you know, eat myself into oblivion. Uh, the phrase I call it is food stupid. Trunk, you know, I, I, I just go every place. And, and Chinatown was open till 3 a.m., most of them for food. So, you know, from, and there were a couple of 24 hour places that uh, I would go into and just eat and eat and eat. And, uh, and it was, of course I was putting on weight. Well, I had put on weight in the last five years. I was ripping pants and couldn't button my sh shirts, couldn't close my jackets in the front. Um, but I was, uh, oh, and I had a, a bunch of neckties that I used as napkins you know, to keep food from falling on my belly. Uh, life was okay, if you ask me, you know, how you doing? Oh, fine, fine, fine. Uh, but inside I was dying. And so after two weeks of meetings, uh, I received an award from the company I was working with and uh, everything was on the house. Uh, they, they, they had a, a meal for me, a, a, a banquet, I guess, uh, at, a, at a brand new Kalitos type, or what do you call it, a Wolfgang, Pup, Wolfgang Puck type of cafe. And uh, everything was for me, and the, the, the desserts, the wines, the, everything. And I was having a ball. I had just come from about my 12th OA meeting. I'm not going to overeat. I'm not going to overeat. And, and every day I had been successful before that. Every, for the 11 days I'd been unsuccessful. And here was another unsuccessful day. And after that, we went out dining, uh, dancing. Um, and I, uh, I had my belly full of food and my head full of OA. Uh, you know, let us love you uh, one day at a time. Uh, keep coming back, all of that. And, and it was just eating away from me. So I excused myself. And I said, oh, I've got to make a phone call. And I took the 11 stories down to the lobby. And I had no intention of uh, making a phone call. I was going to... Uh, have myself killed. Uh, the places I would hang out were, were not nice places on the south side of Market Street. And uh, I knew that I could either get an overdose or I could have someone knife me or shoot me. And, and I really didn't care which because, you know, I couldn't stop eating. And, and once I had found the secret, or what I, what I heard was the secret, when I saw these happy faces, and I couldn't get it, I, you know, life wasn't worth living. And on my way down Powell Street, uh, the cable car turnaround is a foggy night, about midnight, and, and I just stopped in the middle of Market Street 
and there was no higher power in my life. Uh, I just screamed to the, the foggy sky and I said, I want to live. And I don't know where that came from. I must have heard it from someone in a meeting. And I, I want to live. And that's, uh, I don't know how I was a streetcar away. Uh, I have no clue how I made it home. But the next day was my first day uh, without, without compulsive eating. Um, to go back to the whole idea of I want to live and, and uh, the idea of prayer, uh, there was no God in the sky for me. Uh, I'd given up that when I was 10 years old. Uh, I prayed for the health of someone uh, at the behest of our instructor, the teacher, and uh, and the person died when I had died overnight. And so I knew in my 10-year-old mind that there was no God, or at least a God that wouldn't listen to Avery. Uh, so I spent the rest of my young days uh, denying this, uh, go to, going to church, going to religious school, uh, boys' school, and, and doing all the right uh, kneeling and prayers and all of that stuff. But inside this little mind, I was saying, this is all BS. It doesn't, you know, there's no God, you know, it's... It's nothing. And then as I got older and went to high school and college, it was a matter of uh, nihilism and um, uh, hedonism, all of that. I, you know, anything that was unreligious, I was studying. And that's, that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I did. And I, I lived uh, my, my young adult life uh, with food. That, that, that was the end all be all. There were relationships. I even got married, but after a few years, it was the food that, that kept me alive and kept me happy. Uh, and then there turned, became a time that the food turned on me. And oh, I must have been about 30, 30, 32. And um, and there was no joy in food. I, it was a must. There was no uh, trying to diet. There was no uh, hoping for for change. I, it was, I was just going to die fat. And that's the way I lived for about five years. I'm just going to die fat. And, and what the hell? And who cares? And so um, when I went to that first meeting, it was a glimmer of hope. It, it, like I say, eight seconds of, of hope. And, and then going to meetings after that, I saw these people happy, joyous, and free, which I learned to understand what, you know, they, they, their stories were the same day after day, week after week, month after month. They, they were living life uh, the way I, I had always wanted to. Um, and with the higher power, well, oh, let, let me start with, with sponsorship and, and meetings. Um, people would ask me if I had a sponsor. And I, I don't need a sponsor. And I figured uh, 12 steps in 12 days, 12 meetings, I could, 
I could I could get this and uh, go on my merry way. Um, I didn't need any literature. Uh, I would stand at the table after the meeting and, and read pages of stuff and keep them at the meeting late just because, oh, no, no, I, I don't want to buy it. I just want to read it. And so I'd read things. And, and then as I continued to show up, uh, people gave me uh, tapes of speakers who, who, uh, who were abstinent, who were living the life. And I'd, I'd go home and I'd lay on the floor with a, a pad and pencil and, and, I'd, and I'd write down what they were writing and what they were saying. And I, I, it, it just became part of me. Um, listen to everyone I could listen to. And, um, and then after, oh, maybe a month, I had my, my first two weeks of, of eating and going to meetings and then my first two weeks of abstinence. And that was all alone and because I didn't say my name. I didn't even tell them who I was. Mary, little Mary knew who I was, the first person who took me to the meeting, second meeting. And um, no one else. I never, they said anyone here for their first, second or third time or uh, in their first uh, month of abstinence. I never said anything. And it wasn't until three months of abstinence that I stood up and said, my name's Avery, uh, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I've been abstinent for three months. And um, I still didn't say much at meetings after that. What happened was uh, these compulsive overeaters found me. <laughs> they got under my skin. Uh, these guys would say, hey, let's, let's go for coffee. Let's, let's go to a cafe and have some lunch. And... And I'd say, no, 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 can't do that. And finally, uh, they were persistent and just would ask me. And finally, I did. And, uh, and then I got to see deeper into their lives and how, how they were working their program and what they were doing, what they weren't doing anymore. Um, the thing that I heard in the beginning was uh, 301. Uh, three meals a day, nothing in between, um, one day at a time. And then as I progressed, I heard it again, 3L1, uh, three meals a day, life in between, one day at a time. And one day at a time made sense to me. Um, it's the, the one day at a time little pamphlet. I, I, I carried those in every pocket, every jacket every briefcase i had that little uh just for today i can do something that would appall me if i had to do it for a lifetime and um and that worked for me i could do things one day at a time i didn't have to worry about next year or next week or anything like that uh, the uh, important part for me uh, was that People got to me, people, uh, and, and well, I guess I let them get to me too because they had what I wanted and I, and I, I wanted life. Uh, life is, is the basis of all this. Uh, it was never about getting a better job, never about getting a relationship or, 
a better car or anything. It, it was about abstinence. That became the number one goal in my life. And the, the number one, um, well, perspective became uh, looking for this hey, higher wait, power. Excuse, you yes. have five minutes left. Okay, thank you. Sure. Thank you. Um, my goodness. Uh, the the idea of a, a power grid in myself was, that was uh, my sponsor. And, and my sponsor was a guy who had five years in program. And uh, he took me aside and said I was going to die if I didn't start uh, paying attention at meetings, if I didn't start participating, if I didn't start doing service, if I didn't get a sponsor. So he said, I'm going to be your sponsor. And so he, he sent me looking for God. And I went to uh, ashrams and temples and churches and uh, rented halls, every place, I was looking for God. And uh, as I was doing my 12-step work, we did the 12 steps in a, in a day and a half at his house. Uh, on the third step, uh, turned my will and my life over to the care of God. It, the care was the big word because... I didn't believe that anyone cared about me until I'd gone to OA. Um, I could see otherwise after I had been in for a while. Um, so God came back into my life. I, I allowed God back into my life and I started pursuing various forms of, of worship. And um, it was all around abstinence because there were some places that all they did was was eat after services, you know, and I, I couldn't do that. So um, the telephone has been a tool that, that has been most important to me. Um, I learned to make five telephone calls a day. Uh, I learned I learned to show up at meetings and show up early and to stay late and and to take take seriously the thing uh, the newcomer is the most important person in the world because well, even today i consider myself a, a a newcomer but when i hear newcomers in the room that's you know that's where i gravitate because uh, i realize how lost i was how how food stupid i was when i came in the rooms the uh, thanksgiving is important for me because that was the holiday uh, that taught me that I could, I could be around uh, food after I was giving away food. I, I learned to serve food, and then I could have my Thanksgiving meal with uh, abstinent people because they always shared a table with me. And they saved a table for me. So I'm grateful to be here, grateful to have you guys who are walking the walk, uh, doing the doing the stuff. And... Uh, and keep coming back. That's what they told me. And I, I, I tell that to you because it uh, sounds like you're doing that. And uh, one day at a time. So thank you.